Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Bill Filbo. Joined tonight by my co-host, Matt Filipovitz. Matt, what's going on? Bill, I had a pepper plant out on my balcony that I was really attached to, and I came home from the lake yesterday, and I think a squirrel knocked it over, um, and I, I was legitimately upset. It was the first time I've probably been mad in quite a while, um, and I, I am now just trying to salvage what is remaining of it. Uh, outside of that, though, I'm great. What 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 kind of pepper? Uh, I'm ask. doing sweet banana. It was my sweet banana pepper plant, um, and I'll send you guys okay. a picture later. Uh, one of the peppers right now is like the size of two of my pinky fingers. Like it's huge. Like it's doing really well, um, and I'm devastated. I also have um, lettuce, basil, and uh, hot banana peppers that I'm growing as well. And joining uh, Matt and I is Matt the Bear. Matt, how is your gardening going? Um, I have done zero gardening. Um, as <laughs> As we talked about last time, I am in the throes of, of new parenthood, and uh, for our, our listeners at home, uh, Bill and Matt just uh, virtually met my daughter before we hit record. We had a little, you know, two or three minute um, meet and greet with Abby, and uh, so I, I'm doing great. I'm, I feel very refreshed. Um, I, I think I've settled into the fact that I'm only going to get like five hours of sleep a night for the rest of my life. Eh, it'll 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 change a good uh, nineteen or so years from now, but we'll cross that bridge uh, when we get to it. Uh, before we start the pod, I do want to apologize if I sound a little bit funky. I uh, am moving, and I'm also very stupid, as a lot of you know. So I actually packed my mic, and I'm just doing this a bit of a different way. But what we're doing today is we're doing the part two of a podcast that we did last week where we were going through the 10 most important defining games of James Franklin's time at Penn State heading into his 10th year here in Happy Valley. We thought it would be good and fun. Last pod was mostly good and fun. This one won't be. Uh, to look back on the games that for one reason or another shaped the James Franklin era and got us to where we are right now. Last time, the first five games that we did uh, and this is in chronological order, not a ranking order or anything like that. Penn State's pinstripe bowl win over Boston College. Penn State's win over Minnesota in 2016. Penn State, Ohio State in 2016. Penn State winning the Big Ten championship game in 2016. And Penn State beating Iowa in 2017. And we left off there. Uh, this episode is, again, not going to be as fun. And we're going to start – and uh, our – since we're double matting it, we'll go uh, Matt to Bear. You go first up here. Where we start with number six, and for me, while we were planning out this podcast, this was the one where I put multiple games together, and I put four games here. You all know what these games are going to be just by how I am introducing this: Ohio State, Penn State, a thirty-nine, thirty-eight loss in two thousand seventeen. Penn State, Michigan State, a 27-24 loss in 2017. Ohio State, Penn State, a 27-26 loss in 2018. Penn State, Michigan State, a 21-17 loss in 2018. And I put these together, Matt, because I would argue these four games combined into kind of one big clump of garbage for us Penn State fans to shape the negative narratives, I would say, largely the negative narratives, I would say, around the Penn State football program right now. What, as we, as you're sitting here uh, in 2023 and you look back on those four games, what do you remember? What sticks out? And do you agree 
with the significance of these in kind of shaping the James Franklin era into what it is today. Well, I, th- I think from a, a big picture standpoint, you're right that all four are kind of, um, when taken as a whole, are, are significant. Um, I didn't have either of the Michigan State games on my list. Um, Nor did to, I. To pay, play spoiler a little bit. I have both the Ohio yeah. State games on my list, though, because I think when I think of defining games, I think of games that shaped the, the overall perception. Yes, the Michigan State losses weren't good. Um, let's I'll get that out of the way right now. But when I, you think of them in the in the overall landscape of college football, if you will, upsets happen. And that 2017 mm-hmm. game in East Lansing was just bizarre. I was there for the first 10 minutes or whatever it was before it got suspended for the storm. Um, and and that's just kind of a bizarre game. That the 2018 Michigan State game was just was just bad football. It was it was a poorly played game on Penn State's part that they still had ample opportunities to win. But when I look at games that define the the James Franklin era, it's those two Ohio State losses, you know, by two mm-hmm. points in 2017, by the single point in 2018, that if just one of those games goes the other direction, let alone both, then just think about what that what the perception is of Penn State as a whole coming out of out of those years. Now, here we are five years down the road and how much impact does a 2018 win against Ohio state really have at this point? Debatable, especially when you consider the, the kick to the, the backside that Penn state got um, in 2020 with COVID and coming out of it in 21. Um, but as far as what I remember, um, the 2017 game was just, it was, it was there for the taking, right? It was what an 11 point yeah. lead with, five minutes left or whatever it was Penn state's probably a couple first downs away from winning that game. Um, maybe even just one, if you think of it that way. Um, and they just couldn't get, you know, the three yards, the five yards, whatever it was. And, but I also think too, it magnified for as much improvement, as much talent as Franklin and the coaching staff had brought into the program at that point, they lost Ryan Bates. They lost Ryan Buckholtz. Both in the first half, I believe. Buckholtz was like four minutes into the game. I, I didn't realize how early Buckholtz went out of that game. Mm-hmm. And I think as as much as the as the talent level in the program had improved at that point, the depth as we saw that you know in that game was just razor razor thin. And against a team like Ohio State that just throws elite player after elite player at you, um, that gets magnified. Um, but as we've talked about ad nauseum, that 2017, at this point, is probably James Franklin's most talented team. And it's the, you know, it has really nothing to show for it. It has the Fiesta Bowl win, which is great. Um, but at the end of the day, it you know, didn't win a championship, didn't even play for a championship. So I think that that's what sticks with me with the 2017 Ohio State game. And yeah, you know, maybe if they win that, they go up to East Lansing the next week and they ride the momentum and they win that game. Um, instead, they lose the game. They, they definitely do. The, I think they definitely um, – that, that's it, when losses were spiraling. Yeah. Into that next week. Um, 2018 – that 2018 team just was was flawed in a lot of ways. You know, they, they lost, yeah. you know, so many of the big players from the previous year. They still had Trace. Trace got banged up earlier in the year and was not, not the player that um, he had been the previous two years for long stretches that year. It, if memory serves, he got banged up in that game. 
I believe you're right. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember the specifics, but um, that was that game was early, relatively early on in the year. But I think too, it's like what we talked about in part one of this when we talked about the 2016 Ohio State game. Especially back then, it was it was Ohio State than everybody else in the Big Ten for the most part. You know, Michigan wasn't what they are now. Michigan State was starting to fall back. There wasn't really anyone else that was in that elite of the elite category like Ohio State was. So wins against that program are so defining. And both those games are right there. The 2018 game, I think to some degree it gets a little mischaracterized. Yeah, they were up by, by 13 points. They were up by 13 points for like a minute and a half. You know, they, they, they scored a go up 27-14. Yeah. I think that's the right score. Whatever it was. They, go, they scored a go up to score the touchdown to go up two scores. And Ohio State, you know, dinks and dunks about three screen passes with about a million missed tackles and the game, it's a one score game again. So yes, they had the two score lead. That's really where that game swung for me is that ensuing possession. They didn't, the crowds didn't know it. they're going nuts. You know, you can taste it. And then in the span of really not unlike last year against Ohio state, it just unraveled so quickly. Um, and then they just, they never were able to, um, really do a whole lot more offensively with it at that point. Um, and then the Michigan state game, like I said, which was, I don't remember if that was the following week or not, but it, it was just a, a weird game. They dropped so many interceptions. It just was, it, it was one of those games that, um, you know, it, it'll, it'll, a loss lingered for another week. So um, yeah. that's where I guess the Ohio state games, I think also play a part in being on my list versus the Michigan state games, not being on there is I think those were so defining in the era as a whole, but also in those seasons specifically where it was right there to have that signature win, if you will, to have that big moment and it didn't. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. And what, what my argument is basically you think of when you think of a lot of the negative uh, talking points around Penn state football, they can't win the big one. They can't get over the hump. Uh, they shoot themselves in the foot when they have the opportunity uh, to win a football game. Uh, they really are not good after buys. For, they're not good after buys for whatever reason. The 2017 Michigan State game wasn't uh, like this. The 2018 Michigan State game was. They carry losses one into the next one, and that leads to things spiraling a little bit. I mean, you look at uh, 2000 and. 2018, after they lost to Michigan State, they had a, a far too close for a comfort game against Indiana. They had a game against Iowa that they just gutted out in the immediate weeks after that. So, Matt, we go to you here. Uh, just do you do or do you agree with Matt that Michigan State shouldn't kind of be involved in this and it should just be focused on the Ohio State games? Or do you think kind of the breadth of – what these four losses have gone on to mean for the program is just that significant. I get what you're saying. Like, I get why you lump them together because like very clearly the Ohio state losses were the heartbreakers. The ones we're going to think about, you know, until three in the morning, the day after. Um, And the Michigan state ones were like, really like that one, that's the one you're going to follow this up with. I, I get why you put it there, but for my money, the 2017 Ohio state game is the most important game of the Franklin era. Like, that's when the narrative changed. Like, you guys remember the magical season of 2016, how no matter what they were down, 
it always felt like they were going to come back. Like this was the first year that you guys had the blog up and running. I was still a student. I wasn't with you guys yet, but I can only imagine that the game day slack was always like, yeah, like I think we're still in this uh, in the fourth quarter if we're down a score. Now I feel like since that Ohio State game, if Penn State is up a score in the fourth quarter against like an Ohio State, we're all kind of like, oh my God, how are we going to lose this? Like at least that's kind of where I ended up against Ohio State in 2022. So I think the 17 game is just the moment where the narrative switched from, wow, Frank wins this guy at Vanderbilt who won nine games and got them ranked. Wow, he built Penn State into this Big Ten champion in three years with the sanctions. To now it's like, Oh, James Franklin going to choke away the big one in the fourth quarter again, or James Franklin has the lead in the fourth quarter again. What's going to happen? Like that narrative that, you know, you know, rightfully so or not, you know, perception is reality in college football. Um, that's what that comes from. And that's why that 17 Ohio state game yeah. is so, so crucial for me. Like I, I truly think that, you know, just going back to it, like I watched the highlights a couple weeks back, like Saquon opening kick, Koa Farmer fumble recovery puts Penn State in business. Like it's third and goal. A fade to Deshaun Hamilton works. Like I hate the red zone fade and it worked. Like everything went well and then it imploded in such spectacular fashion. Like that was the only way Penn State could lose that game and it still be brought up as often as it is six years later is the only way that it happened. Is the only way it can still be talked about like that. So, you know, for my money, that 17 game, you know, is is by far the most important game. The 18 game, that was a worse team. But, like, that goes back to my point that you can beat Ohio State with lesser talent because Penn State definitely should have won that game in 18 as well. But it, I think those two Ohio State games are going to be ones that we remember, you know, as the most important losses of the Franklin era. Trey's had 461 yards of total offense Dude. in the 2018 year. Just also, God granted 90, 93 like, of that came on one pass to KJ. Yeah. Well, sure. I, 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 that, that, that's ultimately what I end up thinking back on, mm-hmm. uh, with those games, probably more than anything. I think back to like, if you told me after he returned that opening kick that someone other than Saquon Barkley was going to win the Heisman, I would have thought you were crazy. Didn't I even think get invited like, to the ceremony. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to swear on this pod. I hope not. Uh, you think of um, you think of Trace and just the the whale of a game that he had. I, I vividly remember after the 2017 game, like I watched that on a couch in Elmira, New York, and I was just like exhausted. Like just how um, it, it's a real reminder of how emotionally draining uh, this stuff can be, and how much this stuff can re- you know can really stink. But then you get the other side of it, which is. Uh, where I have game number seven, and Matt, we'll start with you uh, on this one. And December 30th, Fiesta Bowl, Penn State 35, Washington 28. I think that you have to include the first New Year's Six win that Penn State had over, uh, that Penn State has had in the James Franklin era. And the thing that I remember from this game as someone who was there was, Washington just could not lay a goal. Like, it ended 35-28 Penn State. At no point did I actually feel like Washington had anything in the any chance of this game. So what do you remember about the Fiesta Bowl? Uh, where do you watch it? Do you agree how important it was uh, in the James Franklin era? And, uh, yeah, just, just any, any other thoughts on this game getting included? Um, just it was uh, – Washington was coming off of a playoff berth. So it was, like, cool to see Penn State – you know, kind of beat a playoff team. Like it was the same quarterback. It was a great coach and Chris Peterson. 
it was cool from that perspective. Um, I don't know if this is a bad take. If it's a bad take, you'll tell me, and I appreciate that. This felt like a consolation prize game. Like, I, 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 I said that I think 17 was a horrible season because it was James Franklin's best team. And it just got them, you know, the, the 10 wins, which we've seen him do, you know, a thousand times, it feels like at this point. Um, I think it was really important for Saquon to play in that game and to go out, you know, on a high note like that. But I just remember thinking like, man, what could have been like, they were so close to running the table. And, you know, listen, if a New Year's Six is a consolation prize, that is a phenomenal program. That's a great place to be. But I just remember this game. You're right, Bill, never felt close. Uh, Brandon Smith ended up recovering. Uh, a really weird, like backwards pass they tried to do with like eight seconds left. It was it was absolutely insane how that game ended. Uh, but I just remember it was a game where you know I felt like Penn State proved that they were in tier one B in college football, and I feel like that season they could have proved they belonged in tier one A. But at the same time, it was it was a triumph to get that New Year's Six win uh, in year four under Franklin. Um, and it's really cool now that you know looking back all these years later. You know, they're halfway to winning all of the New Year's Six. Like, you know, Fiesta, Sugar, Peach. Are the only, or, I'm sorry. Um, Sugar, Peach, and Orange Bowl are the only ones that are left. Um, and I really hope that they're able to complete it because that'll be a major accomplishment for James Franklin. But just looking back on it, I just can't help but feel like that season could have ended in, in such more spectacular fashion. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. But, Matt, what do you, what do you think about this? When you were watching this game – uh, you know, w- watching Penn State win a New Year's Six Bowl for the first time in—I don't even remember how was was maybe the Orange Bowl. Like you'll yeah, you'll know was, better than me. That was like the first, you know, that was before the, they, the New Year's Six was the New Year's Six, but it was yeah, it was the first major bowl win since they beat Florida State um, after the 05 season. Yeah, so like, do, do you kind of share that same belief as Matt that this is just because like there's a, there's certainly a, a hair of truth in it, but I think I like. Like, I, I just hope I never get to a point in my college football fandom where I, like, have a nasty taste in my mouth after New Year's Six. I don't think, you know I don't, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that, Bill. I think in any other year, outside of, like, what I view as a window year, I would have been overjoyed. Like, if that was the season that we ended on this year, I would have been overjoyed. But it's, like, it's the fact that they could have easily, you know, won the two games they lost that makes me feel that way. Like, any other year in the Franklin era – but 17, I think that's a phenomenal, phenomenal win and phenomenal season. No, I, and Matt, what do you say? I, I don't disagree on, on the overall premise that, that Flip has, but I think what, what it kind of clarifies to me is this mind, there's what the playoff, this 14 playoff has done to what is and isn't a good season in college football, that it's, it's national championship or bust. And I'm old enough, I'm older than both of you by quite a bit with Flip, um, not nearly as much with you, Bill, but I'm old enough and I've been a fan of college football long enough where, you know, winning a major bowl game was a major accomplishment. And I, I get that the the rules of the game have changed because of the playoff and what that does to expectations. But I mean, look look at Washington, you know, you know, the year before that game, they were in the playoff. The next year, they were in the New York Six game. They disappeared from the national landscape for until this past season, really. Um, and I think... Hey, Matt, who was, who was their offensive coordinator the last couple of years? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not allowed to say his name. I think there's some sort of, like, <laughs> like um, uh, restraining order on, on what I'm, 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 I'm not allowed to say about um, a certain individual who shall remain nameless. 
Um, I love a jet sweep. Oh. <laughs> I got to refocus here. What um, NFL team was he employed by last year? Do you guys know? It's the funniest, op- it's the funniest option. No, Jacksonville year, was who no, he got hired I know from. He was Jacksonville. Yeah, where was he last? Where was he last year? Was he with the Bills? He was not. It's way. It's the funniest oh. quarterback situation you can imagine. Uh, John Butler is the one with the Bills. Um, hmm. Funniest quarterback. Was it the uh, Was it the Saints or the Bucks? It was not the Saints or the Bucks. Okay, who it was, was it? The Green Bay Packers. Uh, trying to keep oh, Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love happy. Oh, he's currently... Oh, do you guys know where he is right now? Obviously not. Please continue. Matt, do you know where he is right now? I have zero idea. He is with the Florida Gators as an offensive analyst. Well, that makes sure. sense. Why because not? Because the, the Gators employ, like... If you think Nick Saban has a bunch of analysts and, you know, his you know school for recovering um, head coaches... Florida, it, I mean, this was the running joke. I think it was just a year ago, Billy Napier's first year, where they had more support staff in the team photo than players. It was just absurd the number of analysts and recruiting assistants and everything else they had. Um, so that, that makes sense that he would end up on that staff of of thousands. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt so where, with where John Donovan we? content. Oh, don't swear in the pod, Matt. Sorry, sorry. Um, but uh, I I think. I didn't have this game on my list. It was on one kind of my honorable mentions for the reasons that Bill has it on his is that it's, you know, and like I was just saying, it's a major bull win. And I'm, I'm of the era where major bull wins were a big deal. And I think they still are a big deal when, and I, and I, like I was saying the fact that, you know, the sport has evolved to the point where if you're not one of the four best teams, your season's a failure. Um, it's just not, that's not what college football has ever been to me. Um, it's, you know, conference championships, it's beating your rivals, it's winning major bowl games. And this was a a big win. And I think like Bill was saying this, in my opinion, very inaccurate idea that James Franklin and Penn state can't win the big game. This was a big game, you know, in Washington, um, it's easy to forget now, but they were, um, I don't think they won the pac 12, but they were you know, a 10-win team. They were a year removed from the playoff with a lot of the same players back um, and a lot of guys that went on to play in the NFL. Um, and Penn State, like Bill said, really dominated the game, especially from an offensive standpoint. And I think the other thing that yeah. kind of stands out to me from that game is just how good Trace was. Um, you know, Saquon played limited, but he had the big run, which was unbelievable. That happened right – I don't know if he was running – wasn't running right at me, but we were sitting down in like the second or third row kind of on the sideline – maybe like the five or 10 yard line in the end zone where he scored on that long run. So that was cool. And Gasicki had a big game. Deshaun had a big game. That was cool. Oh, that's kind right. Deshaun had the a last huge hurrah game. For, for those guys. And the other thing that I think as I talk through this, that kind of comes to mind is late in that game, Penn state did what they hadn't done in Columbus to close that game mm-hmm. out. They converted a bunch of third downs. They maintained a, a lengthy drive. I don't even remember if they scored, but they took a bunch of time off the clock and made it really difficult for Washington to really have much of a chance at the end, even if they did get the ball back, you know, down, down that one score. Um, so I, 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 like I said, it was one of my, you know, half dozen or so games that was on my list initially that I took off, but um, it's certainly like, for the reasons Bill said, I think it's, it's worth having in the discussion if it isn't on your, your final 10. 
Yeah, uh, the drive you're talking about, Matt, 13 plays, 47 yards, 618. They missed a field goal. Washington got the ball back with 26 seconds left and just didn't really do much of anything. Uh, the, the big thing I remember from this game, because I also attended it, was uh, maybe you'll remember this, Matt, but Saquon has that big touchdown, and he has that arm thing that he does where he puts his arms up and he kind of just circles them around. And some guys on Washington's bench weren't happy with that, and – the entire game, I was just, like, very happy-go-lucky. Like, listen, uh, it's a Fiesta Bowl. I think Penn State's a better team. I'm having a really great time out here. I came down here from Vegas, whatever. Uh, and then Washington scores late in the game, and they make it a little close, and guys start doing the Saquon arm thing. And at that point, I wanted Penn State to win that game more than I've ever wanted a football team to win a football game, uh, which they end up doing And then after the game. Again, Matt, you were there for this, so maybe you saw this, but uh, the entire Penn State team went around the lower bowl and just, like, high five fans. And do you also remember Saquon? Because like, he he had his NFL decision after this. Do you also remember Saquon, like, looking like he was holding back some waterworks a little bit? Yeah, I, we – and I don't – I kind of – I kick myself now in hindsight because we, we were in, like, the second row, so it would have been, you know, very easy to um, get right down the railing and, you know, you know – get high fives and that whole thing. We kind of um, didn't leave immediately, but I don't think we necessarily realized what was going on right away and just kind of meandered around. We, my wife, now my wife and I, um, we were not even engaged back then. Gosh, that was a long time ago. Um, yeah. We were there with, we had two seats by ourselves, but we were there with a group of like six or eight um, to- total people that we tailgated with and, you know, stayed in the same area of, of um, Phoenix with and everything. So we kind of worked our way back towards where they were sitting and ended up back at our tailgate and had a couple of beers. And um, the one thing, completely non-football thing that sticks with me is the unbelievable sunset that night against the mountains, um, which was really cool. But um, it, it was, it was a, I think, especially too, when you think about the year before the USC loss and the Rose bowl, um, it was fun to have that, that, that it's not, maybe not the cherry on the Sunday, but that, that happy ending to, like I said, that era, uh, you know, Saquon goes to the NFL, Mike Kosicki goes to the NFL, Adrian mm-hmm. Hamilton's off to the NFL. It's, it was the, that group that really as a, as a core was responsible for pulling Penn State back into national relevancy. It was great to see them get that, that experience to close it out um, on that kind of stage, even though it wasn't the stage that we thought halfway through the year and, you know, 50 minutes, 55 minutes through the Ohio state game a couple months earlier. Um, just, you know, that's the, 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 another cool thing about those bowl games, I think is that the, the opportunity for yeah. guys to have that, that type of send off. So let's, uh, let's make ourselves a little money before we do the second, kind of the second half of this list. And that's by thanking our pod sponsor, home field apparel. If you're a collegiate sports fan on the internet, you are aware of home field apparel. If you are not, and this podcast is your introduction to home field apparel. They are a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, they are all Indiana fans. And part of the reason I'm doing the home field ad right now is because what's coming up after this hint, uh, their shirts are comfortable. They are unique and the designs are cool. If you want to learn more about a school, it's a really good way to learn a little bit more about a school. I think a little bit more of an interest in a school, whether it is your alma mater or a school that you appreciate i have a hawaii shirt i have saint peter's jogger just all this stuff in home fields arsenal all of it is great there is especially a ton of great 
Penn State gear. They just had a new drop of Penn State gear that includes a quarter zip, that includes joggers, that includes t-shirts, crewnecks. If you want it, they probably have it from Penn State. Uh, if you are a new customer for Homefield Apparel and you want to get yourself a little bit of gear, use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word all uppercase for 15% off of your first order. Again, for new customers, use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word all uppercase for 15% off of your first order. Thank you to Homefield Apparel and also Homefield Apparel. I'm, I'm about to get really mad at you uh, because the number eight game on my list Fast forward to the first game of the 2020 Penn State football season. Penn State travels to Bloomington. Weird COVID year. First game of the season. Loss in overtime, 36 to 35. Um, Matt, I don't. It, th- th- this says a lot with how uh, weird some of Penn State's losses have been. This is the weirdest loss Penn State has suffered in the James Franklin era. Yeah, I um, to be perfectly honest, I didn't have a single game from the 2020 season on my list. It was just that I'm at such a bizarre year um, for college football as a whole, let alone Penn State with Micah Parsons opting out, the Journey Brown health situation, um, Noah Kane breaking his foot on like the second play of the season. Um, it was just it was one of those everything that could go wrong went wrong before the season even started, and then it just kind of continued. But um, that game. Like you said, it was a weird game. You know, even taking the the botch call at the end of overtime out of the equation, um, you know, Penn State goes up. They um, they have a chance to ice the game, and, and Devin Ford scores. Indiana comes down and ties it, and then tries to squib the kick and hits one of the upbacks to the point where Penn State has a chance to kick a long field goal that just misses to somehow miraculously avoid overtime. Um, I think on the, the the drive that Indiana had that ultimately tied the game, just the unbelievably terrible um, face mask call on Adiza Isaac that got Indiana out of like third and long, I think it was. Um, you know, he got called for a face mask for grabbing a guy on the shoulder or something like that. It was just not this. Mm-hmm. It, it's very much, and I think in a lot of ways, the microcosm of, of what that 2020 calendar year was like for Penn State as a whole from a recruiting standpoint, from a um, assistant coach um, turnover standpoint, from a on-field perspective. It, Basketball standpoint. Kind of was, was, was a microcosm of everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And even when you thought something great was going to happen, they were somehow going to get out of it, then something bizarre would happen again. And um, it really did, um, you know, it set the tone for um, just a, a really, really crappy nine games of football. Um, I, I will say, um, without hopefully this doesn't spoil too much, the one game from this year I did consider putting on my list was the uh, the Michigan game. One makes sense. It was it was the it it broke the the winless streak to start the season. And two beating Michigan's always just really fun. And the way they did it was ex- exceptionally fun. Because it was this kind of beat the crap out of out of a, a Harbaugh physical football team that really had no interest in playing that game by the, th- the third or fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I could get really aggravated and, and fired up if I really got going about that Indiana game just because of how it ended and um, you know, what led in, you know, then they have to host Ohio state who was really the one team in the big 10 that I think gave a rat's ass about that season by like the third week. Um, mm-hmm. And they had to f- play them. 
they, you know, missing, it was a home game, but obviously no one's there. So zero home field advantage. And next thing you know, they're 0 2 and they are shell shocked. And they, I think that was the Maryland game was the following week. And it just, things just snowballed so fast. And it, it really did start with that, that Indiana game. But to, it doesn't really, def- that nothing about that 2020 season really defines anything about anything for me. It was just such a weird year. Everyone played by different rules, and Penn State played all nine games. Ohio State played for a national championship despite only playing five regular season games. I, 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 I saw a comment, I think it was Nate Bauer on BWI, um, towards the end of last week, wondering why anyone bothers to count anything from that season at all. I just, I, I'm kind of there with him on that. So let me lay out why I have this on here, and then, Matt, uh, I'll go to you for a response. Coming into this season, and this is something that kind of gets lost to time. Penn State came into this season, even without Micah Parsons, even without Journey Brown. Uh, yeah, I think even by the time that happened, because uh, the poll was released in uh, August, I think both of them might have – I don't remember the exact timeline. But Penn State, regardless, came into the season the number seven team in college football. This team was one or two – Viewed as a team that was one or two breaks away. I don't think, from being I think a team. that poll came out before the Big Ten yes. canceled the, the season and reinstituted it. So Mike and Journey were still, you know, as far as we knew at that point, we're in. Um, and then. And well, let me, let me, let me correct. Uh, by the time this game happened, Penn State was number eight in the country. So even with those guys out, Penn State only fell one spot in the rankings. And yes, I understand all the other stuff. Uh, about if you probably did it 100% over again, maybe they go, what? Regardless, Penn State was number eight team in the country by the time this game took place. Penn State goes in, whoops up on Indiana. The gap in yardage between Penn State and Indiana was 277 yards, which is more than the total number of yards that Indiana had on the game by 66 yards. It was wild. So all this stuff happens in this football game and Penn state ends up losing a heartbreaker. And the thing waiting for Penn state on the other side of this was an Ohio state team that, you know, if Justin Fields doesn't get hurt in the semifinal against Clemson, I thought that Ohio state team was national championship caliber. They go out there, Penn state, you know, never really puts a glove on them. By this point, they're owing two. they are in a huge rut. And then things just completely go off the rails to the point that Will Levis replaces Sean Clifford as Penn State's starting quarterback for a game against Nebraska, which Penn State loses, even though Sean, like just all these disasters happen. And the reason that I have this on here is because I would argue, Matt, so much of the anxiety over the last three seasons of Penn State football, the 2020 season, the 2020, I completely agree that in terms of like, does it count the 2020 season doesn't like it's one I'm willing to disregard, but the anxiety that Penn state fans feel in last season in 2022 and in 2021, the year before that, where something went wrong, Penn state was riding high, something went wrong, completely belly up on the entire season. I think so much of that can be traced back to the fact that they lost that game against Indiana then went out the next week against Ohio state. And then, Things just completely went off the, you know, the car went off the side of the cliff, O'Doyle rules style. So what do you think? This game was 
one of the worst experiences of my fandom. Uh, 2020 was awful. Um, I hated it. Um, I remember they scored the opening drive. Fryermuth broke the tight end um, touchdown receptions record in his first game, uh, which was awesome. Um, and then everything else is just an absolute blur. Like this is like, I don't want to count 2020 for anything. Like, I don't know how you count a season where it was clear that like the Penn state staff's goal was to make sure everybody was eligible to play. They played nine. Yes. Like they clearly did not practice together as a team to ensure they would have at least someone available to play every week. So like the overall quality of football dropped, like that was the quantity over quality um, football season. They got more games, but it was worse because of the way they had to do it. Um, I never want to think about the 2020 season in a positive light in any way, shape or form. Uh, but I will say I am very excited now for the scene, the freshmen at this time who are now seniors on this roster to get to come into their senior year. Now likely ranked in that six, seven range. Once again, like it's a very cool full circle moment of how things started for them. And I hope they're able to end it in a much more positive way. But that Indiana game in 2020 was, you know, just just nightmare fuel. Hey, the 2020 season got them Mike Yersich. It did. Really all that bad. That's true. That's true. It did. It did. After, after, after one season of hiring away P.J. Flex, offensive coordinator, and that just didn't work. So they get somebody else. And now that guy is back under P.J. Flex. Just, no, he's at, why, why he's at Rutgers like, now. Oh, that's right. Why do we like the Big Ten? Like, why do we affiliate with the Big Ten? Like, why couldn't we have all gone to, like, a, a conference that isn't terrible at everything? Listen, uh, real quick. I ran the Big Ten 10K this weekend. And shout out to the guy at the Penn State um, Alumni Association group who said he liked the podcast. Um, shout out to that guy. I forget your name. I'm, I'm so sorry. That was awesome. Um, yeah, the Big Ten. It's uh, It's definitely football. And speaking of definitely football, this moves to the number nine game on my list. A, a game kind of like the Indiana game where Penn State should have won. And I think that the way that you tell the story of the James Franklin era requires the downs of the 2020 and the 2021 mm -hmm. season. And for the 2021 season, Matt, I decided to go with Penn State 20, Penn State 20, Iowa 23, Nittany Lions lose in Kinnick Stadium. And again, I think that the re a big reason that Penn State ended up losing the following week to Illinois was because they lost this mm -hmm. game. And For they sure. lost this game because Sean Clifford got hurt, which really did derail a lot of the rest of the season. And P.J. Mustafer got hurt, which really derailed the rest of the season. What do you say? This game is going to be remembered as the game where – we, I think, as fans, truly realize the gap between Penn State and the elite of the elite. Like, top level, Penn State can compete with pretty much anybody. It was the depth that kind of proved to be the problem here. This Iowa game, Penn State was clearly the better team. They played a better game. But the quarterback just didn't get it done. Like, you know, hats off Taquan Roberson. Good on him for going out there. That's a tough spot to get thrown into your first game action, but... I think this game is now going to be remembered as a game where we saw a philosophical shift from the Penn State staff. Like, look how early Drew Aller got in games last year. Look how much they rotated. Look how many freshmen got in. Like, I think this game is going to be remembered as, yes, a game that Penn State definitely lost, definitely should have won, a very easy one to explain away a loss in, in that your two best players got hurt. Uh, but I think it's really going to show that 
the staff fully understands how much depth means. And if I now fully understand how important depth is. So this game stunk. Um, they were definitely, it's hard because they were definitely the better team and they definitely beat Illinois. Um, and then that's a, what, a nine and three season. So that's, that's a great season, you know, coming out of the, the, the hell that was 2020. So it is going to be remembered as another hinge game. Um, but again, I think this is a hinge game that can be explained away much more easily than a lot of the other ones. And, and yeah, Matt, I mean, what, what would, what, let me ask you this. Did this game appear on your list? And do you agree, even if it didn't appear on there, that this holds a level of significance in the, the story of James Franklin, Penn State's football coach? Matt, you're on mute. We're not cutting this. No, that, that, yeah. That's even better. Um, no, this game was on my list. Nick's um, editing this week, gra- so I won't even tell him about it. I, I sounded great, by the way. I had some of my, my best thoughts um, in the history of the podcast for those five seconds. Um, no, this game was on my list. I, I, I debated between this game and the Minnesota game in 19. Um, it's kind of one of those, um, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Um, unnecessary losses or, or, or something like that. But I think for, for the reason Bill said, the, the impact that this had on the rest of the year in a very tangible way because of the injuries to Mustafer and, and Clifford. Mustafer obviously misses the rest of the year. Clifford was less than 100% really for the, the remainder of the season. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm sure it played a part in what we saw from Penn State in 22 as far as getting um, you know, freshmen on the field. I think a big part of that 22 mindset was they had some really, really, really good freshmen and they, you know, yeah. they, they deserved to be on the field. They were their better, their best players. Um, but I, I think where it defines the Franklin era for me is it, it's, it's, I, maybe it's, it's a, a symbolic, it's, it's, a, it's the, the, the one game of those Michigan state games, the Minnesota game, those games where they were, they were the more talented team and didn't get it done. It's, it's the one game from that, of that batch, I guess, that I guess I went with because of the impact it had and, and really the, the massive snowball the rest of the year where they only beat. What was it only beat Maryland and, and Rutgers to you know after that game I think right before yeah. mm-hmm. um you know, you know the, the embarrassing loss to Illinois which is still one of the funnier games I've ever watched just for the record um I thought about uh, if 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 anyone other than Penn State was in that game I it would I would talk about it twice a week <laughs> and this is coming from a guy who intended the six four game by the way and and this that that game is is just has, has the level of clarity but um it was just it was for for so many reasons, I think that that twenty twenty one team wasn't as good as their ranking indicated going into that game, and I think we saw that. I think eventually, whether it was that week or in a following week, they were going to be exposed to some degree. Um, but I think too, you know, not to go off topic too much, I think you saw that team still almost beat um, a, a Michigan team that won the Big Ten and went to the playoff. Um, well, I guess they didn't win the. Yeah, big they were. They were. They didn't win the. Big they lost they their. Did they win the? I don't remember. That that's so long. Ago. They did. They lost. They lost their five regular season games by a combined like twenty one points. Yeah, and, and and they they won some close games too. Um, you know, earlier right. in that year, the Wisconsin game, the Auburn game. Yeah, um, it was it, it was a that team was probably better than their record by a couple games, but um, that that season I think. As bad as the record was, and you are what your record says you are, 
I think you start you saw some signs of some pieces that were going to be integral in the following year and going forward. And you knew if you're a big enough fan and you follow recruiting, you knew what was coming too. So you can kind of see the emergence from that, that slog of 2020. There were some signs there as you went through that, that year as painful as it was. And as much as I think we all hated watching that team by the end of the season, um, it was, it was such a transitional year, but that Iowa game just for me, like I said, just kind of exemplifies a lot of those, um, what it could have should have games where Penn State was the better team and didn't get it done, but which is part of college football. I don't think that's outside of the the half dozen elite of the elite teams, which Penn State just isn't one of those teams and hasn't been one of those teams. And I'd maybe even argue that you know even if they win the 2017 Ohio State game or the 18 Ohio State, and they're probably still not one of those teams. They just don't have and haven't had the the depth of talent consistently to perform at that level year after year. But anyway, it it started to pull them out of that slog and get them back into that tier where where they are now and where I think pre-COVID we thought they were, and they've kind of got themselves back on that footing. Yeah, an interesting qu- question we'll never get a straight answer to is I wonder I, I wonder if the 2022 season can happen if they don't kind of go through like the trials and tribulations uh, that they went through in the 2021 season and just like seeing all these close ones slip through their fingers and use it as an opportunity to grow, to become a better football, especially because week one, they, you know, they, it, it took, uh, it, it took some Sean Clifford devil magic to get out of West off. Uh, well, before we end, end this, uh, this uh, will walk down memory lane with the positive one. Uh, we're going to do a, a, a quick uh, veer off the side of the road. Uh, we'll, Matt, we'll start with you uh, since uh, you were the one who most recently spoke here. Uh, Iowa 2021, was that the angriest you have ever been after a loss in the James Franklin era? Um, angry at who? God. <laughs> I th- I think so, and you know the, the the Indiana game the year before. I was mad at a very specific individual who decided that was a touchdown. Um, the the seven. I wasn't really mad after the seventeen Ohio State game, you know, because it was the JT Barrett experience in the fourth quarter. I was hung over after the twenty eighteen Ohio State game. Um, the, the the Michigan State losses. Um, I remember distinctly the, the twenty eighteen loss. Um, being really, really pissed off for like 30 minutes, and then I kind of got over it. That Iowa loss just lingered for days because of the mm-hmm. the, the fan reaction, the Kirk Ferentz, you know, smelled a rat quote, mm-hmm. the, oh. the 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 worshiping that stomp was them this year, by, stomp by Kirk Ferentz out of Iowa City this um, year, please. The, the national media. I remember Stuart Mandel, Nicole Auerbach. Um, I don't think Feldman was in on this, but the, but after. Ferences smelled like a rat comment. There was a lot of, oh, look at him go. Look at him, you know, look, look at him call it how, how he sees it. And a lot of um, forgetting that, you know, at that point he was being sued by former players for racism. He had sent, you know, a dozen players or whatever it was to the hospital several years earlier. A, a lot of forgetting that Kirk Ferentz, um, if he was at any other school, probably isn't coaching anymore um, at yeah. that school. Um and the the social media reaction, it was just, it, it it lingered so long for 
so many reasons that it you just kind of kept playing it over and over again. You just kept thinking, man, if, if Sean Clifford gets hit, you know, six inches to the left or right of where he got hit, he probably doesn't crack a rib and probably stays in that game and they probably win. And we're not having any of these discussions. Um, it was just yeah. in, it, it was allowed to linger in your mind for so long because you just couldn't get away from it um, anywhere you looked for basically the whole week. It felt like. Yeah. Uh, Matt, same question to you. Uh, was this the angriest that you've been after a loss? No. Um, Ohio State last year was the angriest I've ever been after a loss. Okay. At the time, was it the angriest that you had ever been after a loss? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, for sure. They Thinking about like they were like, what, number four in the country? Like they were crazy highly ranked. Three. Yeah, three. Oh, four, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever they were. They were three. Yeah, at the time, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for me, uh, yeah, yeah, I was, I was vibrating mad because I had very deep in my mind until I asked this question of you guys, the whole Kirk Ferentz, I smell a rat, I think Penn State players are faking injuries, I think they're coached to fake injury stuff, and like, I'm getting mad again, but like, I was trying to go through the list of like, all right, the Maryland game in 2014, the Temple game in 2015, the first pit loss, that first time uh, Michigan blew them out, uh, you know, all these sorts of games. And, and yeah, it's it, it's that one. That I, uh, again, not going to swear in this podcast. So let's end uh, with uh, a, a happy, optimistic game, the final game, the ten, number 10 game. Uh, yeah, uh, Matt DeBear, you're going to start with this one. Uh, Penn State. 35, Utah, 21, Penn State wins the Rose Bowl. First time uh, that James Franklin gets to lift the Rose Bowl. And Matt, on the heels of what was such a, like, it was a season with some really high highs, a season with some really low lows for Penn State to be able to end it with a Rose Bowl. Like, I I hope I never get to a point in my college football fandom and college football more specifically as in a sport never gets to a point where it's not going to feel special to watch a team win the Rose Bowl. No, I think, you know, that might be the biggest reason this game's on my list. It's the Rose Bowl. Um, And like I was saying earlier, I, I, I grew up in a time when if you, if you went to the Rose Bowl and won the Rose Bowl, you had a great year. It didn't matter where you finished in the rankings. That meant you won the big 10 and you won the Rose Bowl. And that's a hell of a year. Um, and for a long, long time, that was, um, you know, it didn't matter. N- nothing else mattered. And this, the sports changed, like we were saying earlier. Um, I think from a very practical standpoint, it, you know, Penn State beat a good team. And just by the nature of the way yeah. the schedule fell um, last season, they they played two of the four best teams. They played one of those teams pretty close at home. They got embarrassed by another one of those teams on the road. Um, but Utah is and was a really good team. They, they won the Pac-12. They beat a good USC team twice. Um, they had some embarrassed good, USC. They had some really good wins um, during the year, and Penn State really dominated that game, especially in the second half. And I think not only did not only did that lead to winning the Rose Bowl, but I think it it confirmed what those of us who watched the team all year knew from watching that they were a good team. Were they a great team, an elite team? No, but they were a really good team. They were, you put them up against every, anyone other than those four teams that made the playoff and they've got a great chance to beat any of them, in my opinion. Um, and 
it, that goes back to what I was saying earlier about how this idea that if you're not in the playoff and you're not playing for a national championship, then your season's a failure. That that was last season was as much fun as I've had watch had had watching Penn State football probably since the 2016 season. Um, the 2017 season was fun, but it was the the weight of the expectations. I think you know after every one of those wins, like okay, we got through that one, we got through that one. And then then you were so disappointed when they they lost those two games. But last year, it, you were playing with house money. You know, they, they, they were the third best team in the Big Ten, and they were, what, maybe the sixth best team in the country, you know, just to throw a number out there. I'd, I'd put them up there with whoever finished sixth if they weren't them. Um, and I think, too, um, for a guy who was as polarizing as he was for his 15 years on campus for Sean Clifford, um, to see him go out with that kind of performance, um, to win the MVP, to see – you know, the, the tens of thousands of Penn State fans who were out there give him that standing ovation when he came off the field. Um, that was just really cool. That's, you know, from a, the sentimental part of me um, that loves that part of college sports, um, thought that was just a really, really cool moment. And um, yeah, despite the fact it was like 55 degrees and it was raining pretty hard at that point, um, I, w- I was glad I was there to see that in person because that's just, I think, for a guy that never got as much credit as he deserved for everything he did not necessarily on the field at all times, but off the field. Um, and you, you, the way that not only James Franklin and the coaching staff talked about Sean Clifford, but the way his teammates talked about Sean Clifford, to see him get rewarded on that stage was was just a really mm-hmm. cool moment. Yeah, Penn State end of the year, uh, seventh in the, in the country last season. Uh, when it comes to how the game went, obviously, uh, Utah quarterback Cam Rising getting hurt really, really killed them. Uh, kind of just the way Utah won games was they keep it, you know, they hang with you in the first half, hang with you, hang with you, hang with you, and then they just start leaning on you like a great boxer and they just couldn't do that with rising out. But regardless, 35-21, Rose Bowl win. Uh, Matt, uh, what did it, what was it like watching Penn State win a tier 1B bowl game? 16 Ohio State, 17 um, Iowa, 2022-2023 Utah. That's the order of best James Franklin wins for me. This was like I, I I feel like I maybe worded my Fiesta Bowl point poorly. Like I I don't think you uh, I'll, I'll 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 say it. You worded the Fiesta Bowl because you like the way it came off was every single non-playoff like New Year's Six Bowl is just a consolation prize. It doesn't in it. the window year. Yeah, like I think that's. But again, that's why it, they they see Penn State as a program. Like, isn't this thing that stays the same? My expectations and what I hope changes year to year. Like, my, my point is, like, the 2022 Rose Bowl win was one of the best wins of the Franklin era. Like, that he that team outperformed what they should have been like crazy. Like, I don't think that, like, I, I'm not devaluing the Fiesta Bowl win. Like, it, it's just the fact that, hey, that team probably should have been better for me. That's what this comes back to. Like, this idea that Penn State is this one thing and it should be that same thing year in and year out. Like, I don't subscribe to that. They have different expectations based upon the roster they've built. And for them to go out in a Rose Bowl, in the biggest stage of college football, be the only team, I think, in the in the Big Ten to win a game in 2023 so far this year on this technicality, um, was awesome. Like, this is a wildly impressive performance. Like, it's not playoff or bust for me every single year. The fact that they won the Rose Bowl and did it in such dominating fashion with these young, exciting players, with these seniors like Sean Clifford and Jair Brown getting this proper send-off, that's what makes college football great. Like, 
the Rose Bowl was the number three win of the Franklin era for me behind uh, just the Ohio State game, which was magical in 16 and an Iowa game that we all remember very fondly for a lot of reasons back in 17. Like it's the fact that that team outperformed what they should have been and to cap it off in the Rose Bowl like that was one of the coolest things ever. Like I don't want to make it sound like I'm devaluing 17, but what Penn state was in 17 should have been better than what it was in 2022. Like that, that was kind of the point I was trying to make. So I don't want to make it sound like I think every single bowl win that's not the playoff is, is not important, but you know, I view Penn state as a window program. I know you both, you know, violently disagree with me, but like it it just shifts for me like year to year, the expectation shifts. And for them to exceed expectations and win the Rose bowl in such dominating fashion was a really, really special game. Was was Penn State coming down, coming back from being down twenty eight to seven to win the Big Ten? Not one of the three biggest Penn State wins for you. Oh, that's a great point. All right, number four then for Utah. I was thinking regular season. Okay, All right, sorry, sorry, go. number four then for there Utah. Good. Good. good, thanks for calling me on that. It's a good call. But 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 Utah is not the regular season either. Uh, I, I was th- I, I didn't I meant like when I was talking about it. I wasn't <laughs> thinking regular season. Whatever. I wanted to make sure I got my festival point in there first too. That's that's fine. So there's my there's my list. Uh, Pinstripe Bowl, Minnesota 2016, Ohio State 2016, Big Ten Championship game, Iowa 2017, Ohio State, Michigan State 2017 and 2018, Fiesta Bowl win, Indiana 2020, Iowa 2021, Rose Bowl 2022. Matt, we will start with you. What games did I miss on my list that made it onto yours? And Matt, once once Matt's done giving his, we'll go over to you. And if there's any crossover, uh, we will. We, we will we will quickly talk which, about that. which Matt's going first. I'm left. You you are going I'm, you you are you are going first. We are following the pattern of the book. person who most recently spoke now gets to go. Okay, there. all right. <laughs> I heard Matt laughing too. I heard I heard Matt laughing too. I'm picturing but someone doing... at home listening to this, going just like like thinking that Bill had just had a stroke. <laughs> I I sometimes I think I am when I'm dealing with the two of you. Uh, no, we we are following the snake draft. Okay, so it's back to me. Okay. Um, yes. I have, uh, 2022 Michigan on here. Um, you know, that's for a season like that to, you know, if you're undefeated, you know, you have those expectations in mid October and you get your ass kicked like that. Like that's going to be a game people talk about for a long time. Um, 19 Minnesota, uh, just a tough game all around a game. They probably should have won. Um, but listen, like if, if Penn state plays that poorly and still keeps it that close against the best Minnesota team in like a century on the road, that, that's still a pretty good season. Like, that was a pretty good team. Um, and then two, I want to make sure I, I call out 14 UCF, the first game of the Franklin era, to watch mm. the Sam Ficken redemption arc we had right there. It was really cool um, you know, to win that game in Ireland. And then the first game of my senior year, 2018 App State. There was <sighs> so much anxiety around that team because Saquon was gone. Gasicki's gone. Saeed Blacknall would have been gone. Like, Pretty was Hamilton gone? Yeah, Deshaun 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Yeah, Deshaun Hamilton's gone. There's these whole new cast of characters, and for them to basically blow it and then to come back in phenomenal fashion with this new cast of characters and KJ Hamler, Miles Sanders, um, Amani Oruwarier took over his starting corner with Haley and Christian Campbell gone. That was a really important game. Uh, I think looking back on it all these years later. Yeah, I, I watched the uh, apps. 
I watched the App State game at a uh, friend's house while his family was trying to throw like a Labor Day party and it didn't go well. Uh, I had Michigan, Minnesota, and App State as honorable mentions. I didn't have UCF on my list. Matt, what about you? The, the two games that were on my list that um, didn't make it on yours were the 2018 pick game because that was just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, I think God, that was so fun because of the the Franklin Narduzzi feud. I think to beat him down that way in his house and just embarrass him with the, the, the running it up late. Um, I think that really, I think put a, a, a nail in the coffin of this, you know, who runs the state kind of narrative that was trying to be forced on there. Um, then I have the 2022 Auburn game was on there. Oh, good call. I know that Auburn team yeah. ended up not being much to write home about, but anytime you go on the road, especially early, early in the year when, you know, the, the story of the season is still being written and you don't really know, you know, who's good, who's not. Um, to go in to um, Jordan Hare and win the way they did, I think is really, really impressive, um, especially, you know, but by record, that wasn't a big game at the end of the year, but I think in the, at the moment it was. I think the way Penn State mm-hmm. performed in that game, really from start to finish, um, ought to put a real, um, put, put a huge asterisks on anyone who thinks that that Penn State can't perform in the big game do they perform every every big game no but I think that that performance from start to finish was really telling um I had a bunch of others that were just kind of honorable mention I'm gonna fly through them here real quick yeah go ahead um I thought the San Diego State game um in 2015 (laughs) you're um, an absolute sicko well, I, 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 for the reason that was Saquon, for, that was Saquon, Saquon's coming out for the part. Saquon reason. Exactly. Right. I think he kind of, you know, that's was his first big, um, big emergence onto the national scene. Um, the, the, we talked about the Minnesota, the Maryland game in 2016, um, you know, again, in hindsight, that wasn't a great team, but to continue yeah. the momentum after out of that Minnesota game, oh, um, I thought call. was really big. The Iowa game that year, again, that was just a lot of fun to beat the crap out of them. Um, the Michigan State game it, that year, it, um, redeeming the from the, the previous year in East Lansing. Um, the the Iowa game in seventeen, you know, an ugly. We talked about that one. I'm sorry, I'm I'm getting my list confused here. Um, the the Maryland game um, in College Park, the Friday night game, well, again, just was a lot of fun and oh, all the paper on that game to just you know blow it up in the course of about ten minutes to start that game. Um, I thought the Michigan win in 2019 was a was a big win. Um, you know, neither team was 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 an elite team or even maybe a great team that year, um, but they 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 pulled that win off, um, and then I, that's probably it from there. I, there were some good wins in twenty two, but I'm not sure any, I'd call any of them defining. Um, but just some yeah. some of those games I think you know are easy to forget, but in the moment felt um, you know you know if we had this conversation a couple of years ago. Maybe some of those games are on the list because of um, you know, what they meant you know, to where the program was at that point. The the 2016 Iowa game, I felt the concrete under my feet in Beaver Stadium bend. Like that, it, it got, everyone always talks about. Obviously, the Ohio State game in the, game in the environment what that was. That Iowa game, for my money, that year was the best environment in Beaver Stadium. Like it yeah. was a. It was just everyone was out for blood. Everyone knew how special. Like at that moment, everyone knew how special that team was. And they just went out and did it. Uh, Matt, did you have any honorable mentions on your list? Um, mine were the uh, fourteen UCF and eighteen F. Okay, yeah, those were my two. Um, okay, and I honestly, I was gonna put fifteen Buffalo. Um, that game is a very big, important place in my heart. Uh, it was my first game as a student. 
Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, coming off of the temple loss, you know, watching that in, in, you know, a dorm with people I had just met, uh, and then to go out there in a pouring rain Beaver stadium to watch what we all knew was going to be a bad game against a bad Buffalo team, um, was, you know, a, a game I just remember very fondly. It was my first game as a student. It was coming off of a terrible game and to still see a good crowd, like meant a lot to me. So there's that one. So for my list of honorable mentions, consider my list is going to be a little bit bigger because I came up with the exercise. I had to figure out what was getting chopped, what made it in. And not all honorable mentions are created equal. Some of these are really, like, some of these came really close to making it. Others, I was just like, eh, maybe I'll jot it down. Uh, 2014, Ohio State in Maryland. Uh, everyone remembers correctly, that was the game Maryland didn't shake Penn State's hands, went on to beat a Penn State team that had, like, 43 scholarship players or whatever. Uh 2015, I put Temple. I put the Army game. Uh, How dare you? Because How dare I, you? Because because Penn State should not have won that game, and I think that was the game where James Franklin like realized the expectation is different here than it is uh, at a place like Vanderbilt. And then I put the Tax Slayer Bowl, which ended up being kind of the first time you were like, oh, there's something with this McSorley kid. Pitt in 2016, uh, Michigan in 2016. I put the t- 2016 Rose Bowl in there as an honorable mention, just because that was like the best football game I've seen in my entire life. Uh, Michigan in 2017, where uh, third snap of the game, they shift. Saquon takes a direct snap, takes it to that. Like I thought Saquon again was winning the Heisman after that. 2018 App State and Pitt, 2019 Minnesota, 2020 Maryland, 2021 Auburn and Illinois, 2022 Michigan and Ohio State. And uh, I think the uh, purpose of this exercise ended up being Penn State's played a lot of football under James Franklin. Penn State's going to continue playing a lot of football under James Franklin. And right now we are at the point where we're just sitting down, waiting until September 2nd to roll around when they get back to playing football uh, against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, any, any, any final thoughts on this general exercise on uh, going into 10 years of uh, James Franklin in Happy Valley from either of you? I think it just proves that remembering some guys and remembering some game will always some games mm-hmm. will always be an, an enjoyable summer exercise we we should do a remember some guys podcast where i will i will try and figure out what that looks like but a remember some guys podcast uh before we start really diving into like position previews and stuff might be fun uh, matt any any final thoughts from you uh 10 years flies by it's crazy you know yeah. second longest tenured coach in the big 10 um and i hope uh, the, the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, however more, much longer he's here. Um, I hope are equally as fun. I've had a blast these past nine years and I, and I cannot wait to see what, what this upcoming season has in store. Here's hoping that Iowa's offense scores about 17 points per game. So James Franklin has a chance of being the longest tenured coach in, uh, the big 10 at conclusion of this season. Uh, thank you everyone for listening uh, to the decision of Roar Lions Roar. As always, make sure you're subscribing wherever you go and get your podcast. If you can leave us a review, please go leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you're over on YouTube, hop into the comments section, have some fun talking about Penn State over there with us and give us, give us a subscription over there. Follow us on Twitter over at RLR blog. And of course, thank you again to our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Again, use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR. One word, all uppercase for 15% off of your first order if you are a new customer at Homefield Apparel. One last time, thank you everyone for listening to this edition of the pod. For Matt DeBear, for Matt Filipovitz, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care. Go State.